Hello and welcome to the third episode of our interview series, How Do You Make 2021 Count for the Business You Love? Today we have a really interesting guest, an author, a businessman, a person with a powerful life story, a man who chose not to be a victim of the circumstances he was born to, but decided to be a product of his choice. A man who now is sharing his message and influencing people who need support through his talents and skills, as well as his business. I would like to welcome Nelson Tressler. Thanks for having me, Alan. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I uh, believe that today we'll have a powerful message to share. I know that uh, your story is 100% worth hearing out, as well as what you do is, is an important thing for so many out there. And uh, today we'll get to know about Nelson, about his business, about his mission, as well as get some ideas and tips from Nelson about how to run a business, uh, ideas about goal setting, about life balance, about business in general, as well as the self-awareness aspect and the aspect of the importance of the surrounding in our day-to-day -day lives and especially in business. So Nelson, let's dive in and uh, please share with us a little bit about your background and where you come from. Sure. Yeah, uh, my origin story is pretty unique. Uh, my mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. And uh, while she was pregnant with me, her father, uh, who was the local trash collector in a small town, uh, drove into the town square. There he spotted uh, two police officers. He stuck a gun out the window and opened fire on those police officers, killing one and critically wounding another. And uh, my grandfather was eventually captured and brought to stand trial where he was facing the death penalty for what he had done. And uh, my mom got up and testified to the jury uh, that the reason that her father had shot and killed that police officer was that the police officer had raped her and she was pregnant with his baby who happened to be me. Wow. And, uh, that's seriously. You know, oh my God. Yeah, so that's a story. That, yeah. That's, that's where my life kind of started, you know? Um, and then eventually my grandfather was, uh, you know, uh, convicted and sent, sent away to serve the rest of his life in prison, which he did. He served more than 40 years, leaving behind in this small town to deal with these consequences. He had 15 children um, and, uh, you know, leaving them behind. And then, of course, you know, me and my mom to deal with, uh, you know, the story that she told the jury and all the consequences that went, went you know, along with that. My mom eventually, you know, uh, she turned 21 and she met a man who eventually would become my stepfather. Uh, come to find out he was an alcoholic and very physically and emotionally abusive to me and my mom. And dealing with, uh, you know, that and, uh, you know, his bouts of anger, you know, putting him in and out of jail because of, you know, all the things that he ended up doing. So dealing with that, eventually my mom had four children uh, with my stepfather and because of the lifestyle they're living, you know, a lot of the basic, you know, needs for my siblings fell upon me, you know, feeding and even waking up at two in the morning to uh, help change diapers and put crying babies uh, back to sleep. 
because of this lifestyle, I remember in the fourth grade, kind of looking down at my report card and you get excited about who your new homeroom teacher is for fifth grade. And I look at my report card and it's straight F's and, uh, you know, I see that I'm going to be report repeating the fourth grade, you know, and it shouldn't have come to a surprise to me. You know, I was probably absent around 60 days that year. My mom would rather me stay home and help take care of the kids and go to school. And I hated school. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. Couldn't spell. Uh, the, the following year, I was placed into special ed to try to get the help that I needed. Come to find out I had dyslexia and uh, dealing with all of that. So that's kind of the, the first few years of my life and kind of where it's took me. Mm. Um, an interesting thing about um, what helped you to challenge that? What yeah. was, what do you believe was the first thing out of like living a life full of, um, let's say conditioning and circumstances? What was the sure. first light out of it? Well, so eventually my, uh, stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar one night and there was somebody else who was driving home drunk from that bar and they ended up uh, hitting and killing him. And it was at this time, you know, my mom has five children. My mom has dropped out of school in the eighth grade. Uh, she's never worked outside of the home. And as, as bad as her life has been to this point, losing my stepfather really left her no hope, you know, having five kids to raise on her own. Uh, so it was at this time that my mom decided that she was going to take her own life and she attempted to commit suicide. And fortunately, uh, she wasn't successful, but whenever she got out of the hospital, it was at that time that she decided she wasn't going to be able to take care of all of us kids. And my family got split up. And that's when I went to go live with my grandmother, who is the wife of the man who shot and killed the police officer. And she has 15 children. You know, some of those kids are still living at home. Uh, she's also taken in some other of my cousins who are living with her in this small three bedroom house. But for the first time in my life, You know, I didn't have to worry about taking care of babies. Uh, I didn't have to worry about my stepdad coming home drunk and beating me or my mom. And uh, I had this, you know, stable childhood. Uh, and the one role that my gram had, even though education wasn't a huge priority in, in our family, was that you were going to go to school. And that was probably for her own sanity to make sure that she had some free time to get all these kids to school. But so I started to go to school and I started to realize that I wasn't stupid, that I could learn if I kind of went and, uh, and put forth some effort. And then one day um, a counselor came from the local university and was talking about uh, what it took to get into college. And you know, it kind of went off in the back of my head is like, you know what, I could change my life, the direction of my life, and maybe my future life, if I could go to college and get a college degree. And, you know, every time you tell yourself you're going to do something that's going to be hard, that voice in the back of your head starts screaming at you, all the reasons that you shouldn't even try that. And I remember thinking, well, Nelson, you know, you can't read, you can't write, you can't spell, you're in special ed, you know, of my mom's 15 you know, brothers and sisters, only two had ever graduated high school. None had ever even gone to college. And uh, so, you know, I, I'm thinking I'll, I'll be lucky to graduate high school, let alone, you know, go to college. But, you know, 
I went for it because, you know, I didn't like the, the direction my life was going. And, you know, after setting that goal, it took me 12, 12 years, four different universities, four years in the air force. But I finally became that first person in my family to, uh, graduate from college and get a college degree. So Beautiful. that was the turning point. And because after that, that's when I became obsessed with what goals can mean in your life and what personal development could, you know, mean to you as, as far as becoming a better version of yourself. Beautiful story. Um, in, in that, uh, in that direction, tell me, um, there's an interesting, um, kind of, positioning in every people's lives uh some are morning people some are night people where do you put yourself and how did you find out about it oh i'm definitely a morning person i mean i can't sleep in past you know six o'clock in the morning if i tried uh so yeah i, I i'm a morning person uh i love getting up you know as that as i'm running my businesses that was really my time to work on me and to become motivated for the day to, to, to get a workout in, you know, to listen to some inspiring videos and really just get my mindset for the entire day. So I, I really cherish that time in the morning before anybody else woke up or before anybody else was calling with the fires that I had to put out. So I, I think I just learned that that was my time. And, uh, you know, you can trace a lot of stuff back to if you have that hour, hour and a half first thing in the morning to really work on what's important yourself and becoming that better version of yourself, as opposed to waking up late, rushing out, and then bam, you get hit with fires right away. Mm, all right. What about uh, the idea, right? Uh, I believe you have your passion. And um, I want to touch here on two things. First is what is your passion in life, right? Uh, the specifically in terms of what do you engage into on a daily basis? What you're so passionate about? Like, I understand to wake up in the, early in the morning, you have to have a regime. Like, you cannot uh, do late nighters uh, and uh, still be able to wake up early, right? So yeah. um, how, what, what is your passion and uh, how did you come about it? Yeah, I mean, my, my passion now, uh, as I said here, you know, 20 years after achieving that first big goal is to help other people uh, accomplish their life's biggest goals. And I've done that, you know, uh, I've realized, you know, I use goals in personal development in every area of my life since that first goal, you know, from building businesses and becoming a top salesman and, you know, uh, building a, a family and a marriage that I couldn't have even imagined growing up. And, and it's all through goals and personal development and really working on it and living your life with purpose and, you know, having that crystal clear vision of the life that you wanted to live. That's my passion is to help people. And that's my new business. You know, I got smarter is an app that has that morning ritual in it that I've used over the last 25 years of giving gratitude and planning out your day and realizing what's the most important thing that you have to accomplish today and working on your goals every single day. And, you know, having that, um, you know, that accountability partner that's helping you stay focused and you're helping them stay focused. So, you know, that that's what I'm, you know, striving to do. I mean, I really want to change the world. And the way that I'm going to change the world is by changing 
you know, your world, one person's world by giving them the tools, the knowledge and the support to finally achieve their life's biggest goals. Because I don't believe that goals just affect the person who accomplishes them. I believe that goals affect generations to come. As I'm sitting here, you know, my family is living a drastically different life than I was living just one generation, you know, after goals and personal development came into the family. Mm, Beautiful story. Let's dive into the idea of like running a business and having that passion. Like you, you must have a really active lifestyle. Uh, What about being able to fulfill, let's say the four things that I believe are foundational, like the family, the business, self-care and learning, right? Learning and development. How do you manage to balance that in your life? Well, I think, I think it all comes down to priorities because you're going you're gonna to always have the time to work on the things that are a priority to you. And, uh, you know, my family is my number one priority. I mean, at least in my eyes is if I failed with my family, there's nothing that can make up for that. So I always put my family as my number one priority and uh, it can't just be lip service. I mean, I've, I've missed out on deals because of, uh, you know, sporting events or family trips and, and things like that, because those are what, what are important to me. And so I always put that first and, uh, I always, you know, self, you know, self help and, uh, you know, taking care of yourself. It's kind of that, uh, mindset of, you know, when you're on an airplane, they tell you to put the mask on yourself first so that you can help other people. I, I totally believe that, that you need to be taking care of yourself and growing into that best version of yourself, because that's what's going to help your family. That's what's going to help your business. That's what's going to help all of your relationships is you becoming that better version of yourself. And that's my morning, you know, ritual is what am I going to do to become a better version of myself and, you know, setting my mindset and uh, really getting after, you know, uh, you know, I, I truly believe health is wealth. I mean, if you're not healthy and, and you're worried about your health and you don't have the energy, you're not going to be able to achieve your dreams and your goals. So I always want to take care of myself, you know, my health wise. And then, you know, a running a business and, and doing all of that, uh, you know, to provide for your family and, and the people who work with you, you know, you, you gotta, all these other things have to be in line and then you can focus on that business and, uh, take it to a new level and, you know, always be striving to put the customer first. I mean, that's been my motto since I've started businesses is always try to give more value than, than what you're receiving in payment and that has never failed me. Very nice. But how do you manage to balance that out? If, if family, as you said, right, the family is a priority. Family is uh, a thing that if you have something important going on in the family, like something like uh, some consumes time, yeah. uh, that will be a higher priority than what is happening in the business. And yep. uh, as well as you have set times for your self-care rituals uh, and yet the business doesn't stop, right? The business is ever, ever growing, uh, ever developing. And as you said, in the business, the customer goes first. How do you manage to stay in both worlds productively? 
Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it comes down to the priority. And I mean, the, the great equalizer, I mean, one of the things we teach at I Got Smarter is time is our most precious resource. There's nothing that we can ever do to get a second back. But time is also the great equalizer. Everybody gets the same 24 hours in a day. You know, no matter if you're on the street corner with a sign, you know, or you're the billionaire, you know, in, in his, uh, you know, jet flying around the world the same people get that 24 hours and it's, it's a matter of what you're going to do with those 24 hours. And you know what, there's no one out there who succeeded uh, that 24 hours wasn't enough for them. So it's, it's a matter of prioritizing that and using it to, you know, you're, we're using it to fulfill your dreams and goals, whatever those are. And mm. some of that might be how, how can you leverage your time? I mean, is there some, is there something in your life that you're, you're doing that maybe somebody else should be doing? Uh, or is there something, you know, in your life that you shouldn't be doing and, and it's taking away? I mean, I totally believe that uh, sometimes, you know, you have to give up something to, to get something addition by subtraction. And I write about that in my book, the unlucky sperm club is I'll, sometimes, you know, as you're striving to accomplish things and get more things and do more things, the last thing that comes to your mind is, is maybe you have to get rid of some things or some people mm. or, you know, some commitments in order to gain the things that you truly do want. So I think it all comes down to priorities. Um, you know, are, are we watching TV, you know, or, or are we surfing the internet or social media or are we using that time to further our dreams and our goals? I mean, you know, if family's your number one priority, are you sitting on the couch playing, you know, a game or are you up, you know, engaging with your family, trying to make some good memories and, and doing, you know, all those things that you, you, you say are important to you, but are your actions showing that they're important to you? Mm. Let's talk about making decisions and setting priorities. So if we have, let's say, global priorities in our life and they're understandable, they're non-negotiable. Uh, yet uh, every day we have always options. We have uh, always a decision to make because the time is limited. Uh, can you give some ideas about how do you make decisions and set priorities out of those options on a daily basis? Sure. So also in the I Got Smarter program, we use what we call an alter ego, and it's our perfect version of ourselves. We all have it. We all have that voice in the back of our head that's always telling us, you know, to do the right thing. And we design that person that we want to be. And we name them. I mean, my I have an alter ego. His name's Fred. And Fred always makes the right decision. You know, if Fred, you know, if my wife irritates me, you know, Nelson may want to lash out and you know, tell her why he's right and she's wrong and start an argument. But Fred, you know, Fred would never do that because Fred understands, you know, that you know, the argument's not going to be worth it. And, you know, he, he would take the high road all the time. And, you know, when it comes to working out and, and waking up and, and getting that workout in, no matter how cold or tired you are, you know, Nelson would gladly pull the covers over his head when the alarm goes off. But Fred, Fred would never dream of skipping a workout and, and doing it because he knows that health is wealth and he knows you need the energy and you got to get out there and, you know, study and get your mind right. You know, Fred's always making those right decisions. So what I've, what I've tried to do is I try to ask my alter ego, Hey, 
you know, if, if there's a question like, okay, you know, Fred, what should I do? And Fred always makes that right to say, yeah, of course you need to get out of bed and you need to go work out. And of course you need to bite your tongue when you're, you know, your spouse irritates you and, you know, all those things. And, you know, it's become such a joke at my house because, you know, I might come home and I'm irritated, I'm tired and the kids haven't done what they're supposed to do. And, you know, Nelson will get on them and say, Hey, you know, come on, do this, this, this. And their joke back to me is, Hey dad, can Fred come out and play please? Cause Fred would never dream of yelling at them or getting on them. So using an alter ego, designing it, you know, to uh, kind of make and design that life that you want to live that will make those choices. Just think about, you know, what that perfect version of yourself, because we're always dealing with this prehistoric brain of ours that still thinks that if we do something new or something that's uncomfortable, we could get hurt. Or, you know, if we do some go a different place in our lives, you know, there might be a saber toothed tiger down there that's going to eat us. So that part of our brain is always trying to keep us comfortable and keep us safe. And unfortunately, you're not going to do anything great with your life if you're always comfortable and you're always, you know, taking the safe route. Hmm. Um, an interesting question. It's a psychological one. Uh, taking into account uh, that developing an alter ego, uh, developing an inner ideal that we are consulting, right, from the perspective that it always knows what, what is the right decision, always knows what is the right action. And we, uh, t- as you said, we turn to it with a standpoint of uh, consultancy, right? We are in a position where we want to react uh, and the alter ego teaches us how to respond in the right way. And um, how do you manage to keep the balance and not creating a a separate personality where you as uh, as Nelson are not accountable, yet Frank is accountable, right? And now you're saying that Frank is the decision maker and Frank has the authority to get things done. And I don't know about what's what's right and I consult him. Yet it's the same person, it's you. But we are giving away partially the, uh, the, like we're within ourselves, we create an external accountability of sort, right? So we have our own inner alter ego. And how do you balance where you keep yourself in a way sane and accountable as Nelson, because it's a part of one person. Yet I believe many can go in the direction where they are so in this role play where they're not developing themselves and just using the alter ego as this the best version of myself, but that's not me because I'm not there yet. That's like, how do you balance well, I, that? Yeah, I, I, I don't agree that you're not there yet because one, one thing that you tend to do is when you're, when you're consulting with that alter ego all the time, it's like a muscle. And all of a sudden, Fred-type choices and Nelson-type choices start to blend together. And Nelson doesn't necessarily need to ask Fred's advice on some things that he continually does, you know, and, and makes those decisions. And what you, what you tend to find out is, is that Nelson and Fred start to blend together and become, you know, closer in the decisions that they make, the more Fred type choices that Nelson makes. I mean, there's never that divide in there that these are two separate people. And in fact, what you find out is Fred continues to progress and get those higher standards 
the the closer that Nelson becomes towards Fred. So you're never really, you, you know, it's it's that self development. I mean, there's always that perfect version of ourselves, uh, and as you continue to go on your path to becoming that perfect version of yourself, you'll never reach it, but you always keep getting better and making, you know, those better choices. It's, it's kind of like walking through fog. You know, you can't kind of see your hand in front of your face until you take a step. And then all of a sudden you, you see a little bit more and you take another step and that's, you know, becoming that better version of ourselves is a lot like that is we just have to keep moving and that alter ego you know, Fred's not the same Fred he was 20, 20 years ago when I, when I was using him and, and neither is Nelson because they both continued to grow and, and uh, become better versions of what was capable 20 years ago. And that's what I'm on. And, and you'll never reach that potential, but you, you also should never stop because we always should be growing. We always should be striving to become that best version of ourselves. Gotcha. And, uh, it, it's not, it, it's very clear in my mind that they're not two different people. They're, they're the same person, but we always have that choice. And we always have that voice in the back of our head that wants to keep us safe and comfortable. And this voice is kind of helping us not do that. And, you know, you can short circuit that part of your brain a lot of different ways. I mean, there's books out there like the five second rule where you think you should do something. And then if you wait five seconds, you don't do it because your brain kind of talks you out of it. So that's what we're trying to kind of uh, overcome by mm-hmm, using mm-hmm. the alter ego. Uh, let's talk about the ideal life scenario. And um, you've mentioned, right, you have that ideal, you're building that alter ego. How far ahead in life do you plan? You know what? I, I, I plan as, as, as far ahead as, as I can. But another thing that we do, because that can be dangerous and it changes. And I think that's why a lot of people fail with their goals and their dreams is because they are looking so far ahead. And it seems like it's so long, you know, far away or or so long into the future. And they don't feel like they can really do anything here and now to accomplish that. So one of the one of the strategies and techniques that we use and I got smarter is that we break all of our goals down into a 30 day sprint. And no matter how big your goal is, no matter how long it's going to take you to accomplish, we break that goal down into a 30-day sprint. And now we know exactly what we need to do in order to get closer to that big goal. And, you know, I I totally believe that's why, you know, 95% of New Year's resolutions fail is because they, they... they are looking annually and mm-hmm. it doesn't work because a lot can happen in a year. Things can change in a year. We could get hit with a pandemic, you know, all these things. And then people have set this annual goal and now they throw their arms up and, you know, uh, they're going to wait till next new year's day to, yeah. to set a new new year's resolution, or they're going to wait till Monday or next month or whatever. And, and again, time is our most precious resource. So we never want to waste it. And your mind can always wrap around what's happening in the next 30 days. And we even break that down more into weekly milestones that here's where I need to be at the, you know, at the end of the week. And here's where I need to be at the next week. 
And we're always evaluating and readjusting. And it's not going to be perfect. We don't look for perfection. We're looking for progress. And, uh, you know, so we're always working towards getting a little bit better. And we understand that there'll be setbacks, but we're not going to let that setback cost us months or even years. It might cost us a day, maybe a week at the most, but we're getting back on uh, you know, the wagon to, to finish up our goals and, and continue on our journey. Wonderful. That's, uh, that's an interesting perspective because we, we were taught throughout the school system, throughout the university system, that we are creatures of habit. That's for sure. And what the habit we developed, we developed the deadline habit. And if we don't have deadlines, when are we going to do anything? right on the day when it needs to get done or several days past it because we are on a burner, right? So that's, that's where the weekly accountability, weekly goals are super efficient because we are creatures of and we need deadlines. And if we set a deadline by December, then it's so far ahead. Then when are we going to start the closer to the deadline as possible, right? Right. I mean, we've all been in school where we've had that paper that we get assigned at the beginning of the semester and, you know, 90% 90% of that work gets done, you know, a week or a day or the a hour night before, before class. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. And and that's and the reason for that is that's the way our mind works is we need that urgency. And by and by breaking your goals down into a 30-day sprint and then having milestones, you're creating that urgency that your brain likes. And now all of a sudden, you know, I have this deadline at the end of the week and I have that other deadline at the end of the month. And now you're getting so much more done than thinking that, oh, I have a deadline at the end of the year. And then chances are you've waited so long or you've wasted all this time up to that, that, you know, you could have accomplished what you've accomplished. If you are able to accomplish it at the end of the year, you could have done that in a month because that's the only time you've worked on it. Yeah, definitely. Now, let's go into the uh, idea of what helps you to be productive on a weekly basis. Like what helps you to plan the week and maybe you can get, uh, give some ideas about the tools or systems that help you to stay productive. Sure. Well, there's this great app. It's called I Got Smarter and uh, I use it every single morning and uh, I'm going to plug it a little bit here because I think it's a great tool that everybody could use. But you know, the, the, the app is, you know, it starts off and you have a morning uh, ritual. And in that morning ritual, you know, we start every morning with gratitude. Because what we found is if you're not grateful for what you have now, if you don't have that attitude of gratitude now, chances are you're not going to be happy with what you get. Because you're always out there striving to have more, do more, you know, and be more. But, you know, Are you ever, you you never really reach that. So we take a step back and we don't want you to be complacent, but we want you to be happy with the things that are around you and, and not be satisfied with them. And that's tricky. So we teach you that. And then in in the morning, the app kind of walks you through uh, your most important thing that you need to accomplish that day. And you plan that out. And then we work on three goals at a time and each the app walks you through, okay, what do I need to do today in order to, to get closer to that goal or meet that milestone or, or whatever. So every single day you're working on your goals, even if, you know, if, if it's a health goal and you need a rest day, you're plugging that in so that your brain knows that I'm doing something today to accomplish this goal. So every day, you know, exactly what needs to happen there. And then one of the great things about our app is that, uh, 
we, you can invite a success partner that can, you know, be in the app with you. And in real time, they see when you're doing your task list and your morning ritual and, they see when you're not doing it by a certain time. So we, we have that in the back of our mind that somebody's out here watching us and, and helping motivate us and encourage us to do our thing. So doing that every morning, you know, the app automatically populates your task list for the day by just going through it. And now I know exactly what I need to do today. And people think, you know, taking that 10 minutes in the morning, they don't have that time. What, what we've found is, by taking that 10 minutes and really planning out your day one, you're actually going to do the things that are going to make a difference in your life, as opposed to just being reactive to everything that's going to come your way as you start your day. And what, what we realize is you actually have a lot more time because now you know exactly what needs to be done. And you just have to kind of go through the, your list and check those things off and get those things done. And then you can do a lot of the things that maybe you want, you want to do that, that you enjoy doing. So that app will, will make a huge difference in people's lives. And then we have a reflection time, you know, was this day productive and we have our evening ritual and what did I do? Did it, did it get me closer to my goals? And, you know, what was good? What could have I done better? And, and, you know, you can even start to look forward to, uh, tomorrow in the app, you know, what do I want my brain to work on while I sleep and things like that. So it's really living life with intention and purpose. And this app helps you to do that. And your success partner helps you stay motivated with, with it. Because the one thing I've realized is most people don't have a knowledge problem. We know what we need to do. We have an execution problem. We just don't follow through with what we know we need to do. And that's what this app helps you do is actually do the things you know you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do them. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about business? Uh, You've talked a lot about uh, personal development, self-development, keeping yourself accountable and progressing. And uh, we are talking about business as a tool for self-realization, yet we do have also business goals and tasks and priorities and collaboration and so forth. How do you keep your, uh, your self productive in that direction? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I work on, I work on three goals at a time every month and those, those can rotate and, but I work at, I work on those goals in every area of my life, you know, whether it be relationships or, you know, lifestyle or business or financial or what, whatever. So this app, you know, I got smarter. We don't tell you what your goal should be. Uh, and I like to work on three different areas of my life every month so that I'm not so focused on one thing. So I, you know, 99% of the time always have a business goal that I'm working on, you know, whatever it is, is, you know, maybe I want to, you know, get a thousand downloads on my app this month. And then I sit back and I plan out, okay, I need to do this and be on this many podcasts and write this many articles and, you know, work backwards on how I'm going to achieve that. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's easy enough to do with the app. And while I'm doing that, I can work on uh, maybe, um, a health goal or, you know, something like that. And then maybe a lifestyle goal where, you know, I want to take off, uh, you know, a Friday at the end of the month or a long weekend, what do I need to do in order to do that? So, you know, you're living life very focused on what your goals are and goals are 
goals are goals and we should have them in every area of our lives, you know, and business is definitely one of those big ones that we need to focus on. And pretty much every month I am focusing on, on a business goal. So, uh, but I don't think it has to be, I'm going to work on a business goal or a relationship goal or a health goal. I think that's where people get in trouble is Mm -hmm. they have that laser focus on one goal and then what they realize is, okay, you know what? I built this, you know, multi-million dollar business, but geez, I lost my relationships because of it. And I'm not healthy enough to even enjoy, you know, the fact that I was able to sell it now. So we, we really look at making sure that when you do set a goal, that you understand exactly what the cost is going to be and that you're willing to pay that price for that. And uh, I mean, that's the worst thing that can happen is people think that they want a certain goal. And then years later, when they're able to accomplish it, they realize that it wasn't the goal that they really wanted and that it wasn't a price that they were willing to pay for that goal. Yeah, that's that's a really important one. I also came across a really interesting technique uh, um, where there's a whole system about clarifying the goal and properly setting it. And there are several questions in that process flow where we have to take a look at, are there consequences that you're going to lose something if you achieve that goal? Yeah. If there are, are you ready to take that consequence? If yeah. not, then remove that goal from your life because even if you achieve it, you won't be satisfied, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's part of our program too, is we believe every goal, you know, every goal that you you accomplish has a natural positive reward that's going to come to you you, when you achieve it and and a negative consequence if you don't achieve it. So that's one of the things that we're clear with whenever you set a goal is we want you to know, okay, let's say you're going to, you know, lose 15 pounds. You're going to weigh a certain amount of weight. What's the natural positive reward when you accomplish that goal? I'm going to be healthier. My blood pressure will go down. I'll have more energy. Like that's going to happen when you do that. And then what's the negative consequence when you don't do that? Well, you know, I'm going to be tired and I'll have high blood pressure and I won't have the energy to do the things that I want to do and all those. So that's very clear what's out there. In the I Got Smarter program, we take that a step further and we set, we set goal, we set a consequence and a reward that we're going to do for ourselves. So, Hey, if I get to my target weight, uh, my positive reward that I'm going to do for myself is maybe I'm going to go out and buy myself a new outfit of clothes, uh, to kind of reward myself for that. And if I don't reach my target, you know, maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to dress up in uh, the tightest clothes I can find and, and sing a song and post it on my social media to show that I didn't get to my target weight because our minds, some of our minds go towards pleasure and some of our minds run away from pain. And so in our program, we want to kind of use everything that we can to inspire and motivate us. So we allow you to, to set either one of those. Mm, Got you. Tell me about uh, the idea, like we've touched on several aspects of this question, but can you name like priority once a month, once a week and once a day, what do you do for your business that is pivotal for your growth? Have you identified something that you usually do on a monthly, on a weekly and a daily basis that helps you grow your business? 
Yeah, I mean, one is, I mean, for me is exposure right now is I, I want to expose uh, the business out there because that's one thing I've learned in business. You can have the best business, you can have the best prices, the best value, but if nobody knows about it, uh, you're going to go out of business. And so I think everybody who's out there with a business needs to realize how to market it and how to get it exposed and get it out there. And, you know, shortly after that, uh, you got to have a great business that people see the value in. So I'm always looking for ways to make my business, you know, uh, a great value for anybody who's willing to use the business. And I always, every business that I've ever been involved with, you know, my number one strategy to be successful is to offer more value than what people are paying. And if, if I can look at that and say, you know, and people come up and like, man, you should be charging more for this. That's, that's the best words a business owner could, could hear. And the worst thing you can do is start to charge more for it because it create that kind of value. And, and maybe you can, as long as you continue to create that value, but I always want to give, give a value than what somebody's paying for me. And so I'm always looking at my business that way. Mm-hmm. And I always want to, uh, I always want to make my business efficient because, you know, as much as I love doing this and it drives me, I also love doing other things. And I want to make sure that my business is efficient and that I don't have to kind of be at my desk 15 hours a day forever to make sure that the business runs. So who can I bring into my business that can, you know, help me run it and free up some of my time or free up to where I can be doing some of the things that only I can do. Oh, that's a, that's a wonderful, uh, you've got right on point about the next question. So taking into account that we are growing uh, and we cannot do everything ourselves, what advice and what tips can you give on the topic of outsourcing tasks? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I've been able to do really well in businesses is surround myself with great people. Because I am not the smartest guy in the room, I, you know, I, I don't have the 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 best skill set ever. But I think what I really can do is is spot talent and uh, and get great people around me and get them sold to to our vision and our mission and and really build a business that inspires people to enjoy working there and doing their best. So yeah, the but first how thing do you is, find and spot them? You know what uh, is always being on the lookout for them. I mean, you're going to you're going to see what you're looking for. So I mean, if you're not looking for those type of people, chances are you're not going to see them. Uh but I mean, it it's a matter you get somebody's you know, you you see what their hearts like. I mean, are they here just for a paycheck and uh they could really care less. I mean, they do a, an okay job and they're getting it done or are they running this business like it's their own and are they taking ownership and pride in, in, in your business? I mean, and finding those type of people, once you find them, you never want to lose them. And I've been blessed to find, you know, quite a few of those people who have helped me run these businesses. And I mean, my brother-in-law, Austin, who's, you know, I've known since he's been 15 and, you know, he's been in just about every business with me and, you know, I just will not let him go anywhere else because he's just that type of guy and whatever I need done, you know, I know that he's putting in all his heart into it. 
you know, my pet resorts, we found uh, a lady named Cindy, who was a grandma who was just looking for a part-time job, you know, uh, and she wanted to, uh, you know, just work a few hours a week. And she quickly became the regional manager for one of the largest, you know, uh, chains in the country, privately owned chains in the country, because that's just the kind of person her, you know, she is. Hmm. Did you start like in the businesses that you've started? Um, was it the what? How did you approach it? You started by yourself and grew it and outsourced some tasks, or you went in with, as you said, uh, if I understood correctly, with a partner and you had like a team built out in the first place, and then if you needed to outsource, you outsourced. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, and and I talk about some of these businesses and and kind of the trials and the, and the heartaches of, of, of businesses in, in my book, the unlucky sperm club, but, you know, I, I've started a, a lot of them, you know, differently. So, you know, I, I've been in commercial real estate for the last 20 years. That was kind of my day job. And then through that, I've been able to be exposed to other businesses. And, you know, I, I partnered as an investor with the children's daycare centers you know, come to find out the guy embezzled a million dollars for me and my father-in-law. And we ended up having to sue him and get him out of the business. And that's how I took over running that business. So definitely had no interest in running children's daycare centers. And it was more of a had to do in order to save that, you know, investment for me and my father-in-law. And we ended up, you know, running those for a few years and then was able to sell them. And then the, the pet resorts that I started, um, I actually was a landlord for a building and I thought, you know, a tenant was going to take over my building for a pet resort. And I talked myself into it so much that it was going to work that whenever she decided not to go in my building, that by that time I had talked myself into it and I went out and opened the business myself, even though I had no experience in doing it at the time. And I ended up hiring people out of the newspaper that I had no idea what to look for. And eventually, you know, that business was failing. And then that's when somebody like an Austin came in and took over that business and ran it and, you know, built it into one of the, you know, largest chains in, uh, in, in the country. So, mm. yeah, I mean, it, there's been a lot of different businesses on how I came about running them, but they're all different. And I'm kind of one of those guys that I'm ready, fire, aim, you know, I'm not, I'm not waiting for everything to be lined up. I'm not waiting for all the traffic lights to be green before I head down that road. When I see something, you know, I, I can kind of picture it in my mind. I'm a numbers guy. I can see if it's going to make sense financially. And then I start the ball rolling and then hopefully I, as I'm doing that, I surround myself with people who have the answers to mm. the questions that I don't. And, you know, Got I'm you. really, a, a, I'm really good at being a big picture guy and then really getting those good people surrounding me to take care of all the details once mm. I get the ball rolling. Got you. About the hiring process, about finding the people, who do you believe in a business when, uh, uh, companies start to grow. What are the first hires that can make a difference? I mean, I think I think in uh, a, virtu a virtual assistant or a personal assistant to take care of all those tasks that you know the the founder or the CEO or whatever is doing. 
I think that's the first person that you need to hire is to kind of be able to offload a lot of that stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be done by you. Can you give some examples of what that can be? Like, what can you trust to a VA uh, to do, especially a virtual one? Wow. I mean, really anything, I mean, answering emails and answering uh, questions on, you know, for us, for the, for the app and, uh, and corresponding with people over social media and your social media people and, uh, setting up meetings for you and, and doing anything that you don't necessarily need to be involved in and they can do, you should be tasking that out. You know, for me, I want to be creating and I want to be thinking about the business and what direction it's going to go and, you know, selling it to people and, uh, you know, being able to be on these podcasts and really talk about, uh, the business. I mean, this, this is something that I want to do. And the less things that I have to do with the actual running the business, uh, the more time that I, I can do things like this, because I think one of the, one of the biggest things is people work in the business instead of on the business. Mm -hmm. And I, every business, you know, I, I knew nothing about running a daycare and running a pet resort. And I was doing commercial real estate that was my job. I knew how to sell real estate and lease real estate. And I was doing that every day. So I couldn't be running these businesses. I was always working on them and saying, okay, let's do this and let's market it that way. And let's, so I think you need to learn how to work on your business rather than, you know, working in it, in the trenches, because then you're just reactive again. And whatever those things are, you know, in your, in your particular business, that's what you need to figure out who and how you can offload those tasks and those duties so that you can do the things that only you can do. Mm, beautiful. Let's look at the idea of um, the buyer's journey and touch a little bit upon sales and marketing. What do you believe in the buyer's journey is the most crucial step, most important one? And what should we do in that step to maximize the conversion? So the first, the first step in, in starting the business or the buyer's it? journey, like, let's say, you, you know, uh, okay, the ideal scenario, you know who your client is, you mm -hmm. have a product or service, and um, there's a journey where the buyer gets to know the, about that the product exists, and he pays you to get that product or service. Throughout mm -hmm. that, you have multiple steps to them to get to the end, right? Out yeah. of those steps, which one do you think is one of the most important ones and what to do there to maximize them going to the next step? Well, I think, I think the first step and just, you know, moving forward with, with whatever that is, I think there's so many people that have that paralysis by analysis is they want everything to be perfect and, oh, oh the product's not ready for this. We need to do this. And, and all of a sudden, you know, something that they could have gotten out there that would have worked and maybe it wasn't perfect, but at least they could get it out there and, and pitch it to people. But I think there's so many people that are so worried that something's not going to be perfect or they're afraid of failure, like get it out there. You know, you don't want to put anything out there that's horrible, but if it's good enough, it's good enough. And I think 
a, a lot of us have to kind of have that mindset is it's good enough. And then just always be on, on the uh, process of, of making it better. But I think there's so many people out there that want everything to be perfect before they are, before they're confident enough to pitch it to somebody. Uh, so I think the very first step is, you know, to get started and, and get it out there and, you know, don't be afraid to ask for the sale. I mean, if your product or your service is, is truly going to help them and help them, you know, better their lives or whatever you're out there, don't be afraid to, to yell it from the rooftops. I mean, that's what you're doing out here. And if you've put all the time and the energy into it, that, that it requires, and it truly is going to help them, you know, in their business or in their lives, you should be screaming it from the rooftops and being proud of it, even if it's not perfect. There's a Silicon Valley wisdom. If you, if you launch an app and everything is perfect, you launch it late. And uh, there's like this idea. And how do you know? Um, how do you know when, if from your perspective, right? From your experience, what is the enough amount to get out there? Yeah, I mean, there's a strategy, it's called MVP, which is the minimal viable product. And I think that's with, with a lot of people, businesses, it's, it's a different thing. But I think, I think getting it out there, I mean, you, again, you don't want to put garbage out there because you only get that first time as a, a, you know, that first impression. And if you get garbage out there, you're never going to win those customers back because they're not going to trust you. So yeah, it's a fine line, but, but you, on the other end, you don't want to be working on something to where, you know, it, it's going to take you years and years. And then, you know, you, you might miss out. I mean, that's why apps are constantly updated because they're not perfect, but you know, it's, you, you need to be to the point where it's usable. Would it be better if there were, you know, this, ability to do this and these activities and maybe the screen is a little more crisper or cleaner or better layout. Yeah. But is it usable and get it out there? Let, cause your customers, you don't even know what you don't know. A lot of times your customers are going to say, yeah, it's good. But if you could do that and you might not even uh, thought about that. And now all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what, let's do this and this to provide that service, but you can't do that if you're concerned that it's not perfect and, and uh, you, you want to wait until every, everything is perfect. So as fast as possible to get in communication with your target audience to get feedback and develop. Yeah. And w without being embarrassed. I mean, you, you don't want to put a, a crappy product out there just to see what happens because I can guarantee you what will happen is you'll fail. So, I mean, it's got to be good enough, but good enough is not the same as perfect. Mm -hmm. So get it good enough, launch it, and then continue to work on it and, and make it better. Wonderful. Let's look at now the inner aspect of us, right? As a businessman um, and touch the topic of self-awareness and, um, Running a business and leading people does demand self-awareness, uh, does demand self-development work. And can you name one tool or system that gave you a massive boost of self-awareness? The app. <laughs> I mean, it does that. I mean, because you're always reflecting upon it. But, But what was I the mean, first? I like, let's go back, like in, uh, in the past, Did you come across a certain system or a tool 
that was for you like a shakeup of your world perspective, a shakeup of what you understood about yourself or uh, something like that? Did you have such kind of experience in your life or did you come across something like that? I mean, uh, I've had a lot of theories and philosophies and concepts just kind of change the way that I looked at the world, you know, and, and, and we have those philosophies and, you know, involved in our app. I mean, one of them is things only have the meaning that you're willing to give them and everything that happens in your life, you are the one that gives that meaning. And, you know, you can, if you're, if you're looking to give something a negative meaning, you know what you can, I mean, think about it like, Oh man, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do anything, you know, with work. I am just so busy and people keep calling me. Well, you can give that a negative thing, but you know, also you could be, have no business and, you know, you give that a negative meaning. So things in life are, are what we assign to them. So, and if you get to assign meaning to everything, why on earth would you ever give anything a negative meaning? So that was the one thing with me. And I mean, with my life story and the, and the circumstances that I was born into for the longest time, I never wanted to talk about them. I never wanted it to be brought up. I ran from my past and my childhood, but then for the first time in, you know, in my adult life, the only person that knew that story was my wife not my kids, not my in-laws, not my friends, because I was so, you know, I wanted to get mm -hmm. away from it. But now, you know, I said, why am I, why did I live that life? Why did I go through that? And maybe it was to inspire other people and motivate other people to realize that they could get through tough circumstances. And as soon as I started to give my childhood a positive meaning, instead of it draining me, all of a sudden now I gain energy by it and it motivates me. Same exact circumstances, same exact thing. The only thing is, is that I gave it a different meaning. And that mm. is with everything in our lives. And I know there's some hard situations out there. There's some really horrible things that, that we go through. But I guarantee you, if you dig deep enough and you get creative enough, that you can find some good in just about every single situation that we go through. So, I mean, I think that theory by, by itself has... You know, so we can call it a positive reframing, right? So yeah. understanding what in the situation can be a positive, and we always can find a positive and yep. uh, out of any. And there was a meaning and a purpose, and finding that positive meaning and purpose in your situation helped you as one of the major things to rethink life and own your story. Yeah, beautiful, absolutely. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, one additional idea I'd love to touch in the self-awareness game is that um, the mindset about money and uh, the change in mindset as the income starts growing. And uh, for yourself, from your experience, um, how did gaining more money, how did growing your business change your understanding and feeling of yourself? Are you a different person uh, yeah, I, or what? I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think everybody, I mean, money is kind of that yardstick, that litmus test is, I mean, I think a lot of people look at your wealth as and tie it directly to your success. And I, and I'd be a liar if I didn't say, you know, that 
I, I've gotten caught up in that, you know, you're looking at your bank account and you see, you know, a few extra zeros there and you, you feel a little bit better about yourself. But I also will tell you that money is not the end all. I mean, rarely is it the most important thing, either when you're running a business price is, or, you know, in your life, you know, I, I think money really intensifies what kind of person you are. Mm. It really makes you more of what you are. I mean, if you're a kind, generous person, money will make you more kind and more generous. If you're, you know, a, a horrible person and, and don't care about anybody, I think it can make you that as well. But I mean, money to me gives me freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that's what I've realized as, as I've been able to, you know, grow my wealth is it, it opens up more options for me and options are good. And it gives me that freedom of being able to do things that I want to do when I want to do them. And, you know, money, money can help you with that. And, you know, I don't have the freedom to go climb on my private jet and fly off anywhere in the world right now. I would love that but I don't have that. But, you know, I also, I do have the freedom to work on a business that I'm very passionate about and, uh, you know, try to change people's lives with that, without an income coming in, you know, for this foreseeable future. So, I mean, I, I look at it as just opening up options to you and, uh, and being able to be the person that you are, it just will intensify it. Mm. Very beautiful idea. Uh, what about um, taking a look at what influenced and helped you to grow your businesses? What actually what was the main, you feel, reason or differentiator about the growth of income? What helped you or what activity was the pivotal one? Yeah, I mean, like, like commercial real estate, you know, I was, I was a broker and I helped people, you know, do deals. Uh, you know, and, and you're in the middle, you know, you're, you're either with a buyer or a seller and you're trying to get a deal done and trying to, you know, let everybody see why it's a good deal. And it's a tough position to be in. But I mean, one thing that I did very early on in my career is I never worried about what that commission was. In fact, I would never even figure it out because I never wanted it to be about the commission. It was always about getting my client the best deal possible. And if the deal was good, the money would take care of itself. And I've kind of brought that concept into every single one of my businesses is, you know, of course you need money and, and you want to make money, but it's never about the money because as soon as it starts being about the money and not about providing that service or, or doing a great job and it's just about the money, then you quit doing that. And the money, the one thing I found in my business career is the money always takes care of itself. If you're doing a great job, if you're creating a great value that people want, uh, the money will come. I mean, but if it's only about the money and it's only about you, chances are you're not providing that value. You're not providing that service. Uh, you know, you, you don't have your, your client or, or the person that you're working with best interest at mind. All you're thinking about is the money that's in it for you. And I'm here to tell you, worry about the clients, worry about doing a great job, worry about bringing that value and the money will absolutely take care of itself. Mm. 
So your the thing that influenced the growth of your income was focusing on delivering value rather than focusing on making money. Yeah, absolutely. Because mm. whenever you create that value, the money the money will follow. The money will take care mm -hmm. of itself. Uh, let's touch a little bit uh, upon a uh, thing that you've mentioned about self-care rituals. And uh, how do you take care of yourself, of your mental health, of your emotional health, of your physical health? Yeah, I mean, it's all part of my morning ritual. And, and you know, every morning I, I work out, you know, I try to break a sweat. And uh, whatever that is, is, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I love P90X. I'm going to give it a little, uh, I, I've used it. I've have every single, you know, uh, program that that company has put out. I love them all. I love to mix them up. And uh, so I, I try to break a sweat every day. I love to hike and bike and do those things. So I, I definitely want to take care of my body and uh, have that energy and that strength to, you know, enjoy my lifestyle and, and be able to, you know, be focused. I, I think breaking that sweat in the morning, your mind is, is more focused. And then, you know, every morning I'm watching inspirational videos on YouTube and, you know, getting fired up there or learning a trade or a skill that I need. And then in my car, I'm always either listening to a podcast or an audio book uh, on something. So I'm putting good stuff into my brain constantly uh, instead of, you know, either, you know, and, and I don't want to bag on anything, but, you know, listening to the news and the media and just everything that's wrong with this country, you know, the country or, you know, everything that's wrong with the world, you know, you can't put that into your brain constantly and expect to have a great outlook on life. So, you know, just being very mindful with what you're doing and um, what you're consuming. Always, yeah. Always trying to become that better version of yourself and what, it, what is that? I mean, you, you got to take care of your body. You got to take care of your mind and you got to take care of your spirit. How do you take care of your emotional states? You know what? It's, it's a lot of the philosophies. I mean, you know, giving things good meaning, uh, you know, you get like, you know, with, with this company, I'm dealing with some haters out there for the, for the, you know, not, not, not for the first time, but you know, it's coming from directions that I didn't, really expect it to and think getting to the heart of things on why are why would people do that and why would why are people like that and then you realize it's not about you it's about them and you know really researching it and just growing as a person and getting that knowledge um, making sure that you have all the tools that you need in order to make good decisions um, you know just just having that positive mindset out there and another thing Focusing on, focusing on, you know, yourself as far as like becoming successful and not really out there worried that somebody else is getting ahead of you mm -hmm. or, or, or being able to go bigger and better than you and, and always getting caught up in that. So, I mean, just focusing on what you're doing, what good you're doing in the world and not worrying that somebody else out there might be, look like they're doing more or better. Mm. All right. Um, Jim Rohn has a quote that your income is an average of five closest friends and how the surrounding was and is supporting your growth and success. Oh, I mean, I, 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 I know that quote. I love that quote. 
and I believe it a hundred percent. I mean, and, and I've done a lot better job of, I like people and, but you know, I, I do have some acquaintances out there that are negative and I can only handle them in small doses. The people that I spend a majority of my time with are people who align with my values and my standards and who build me up and who inspire me. And uh, I think those are the people that we need to be around. Uh, if we're constantly around people who bring us down or hate on us or, or whatever, I mean, it's hard to become the best version of yourself when you're surrounded with those people. And, and then also being exposed to people who I, I like, I like hanging out with people who are doing better than me because all of a sudden now I have, you know, that roadmap of like, okay, they did this. I one, I know it's possible. And then two, I kind of look and see how they did it and why they did it and, and why things work for them. And if you're always hanging out with people who you know, are not doing as good as you, then you, you don't really have that sight set on, on becoming that better version of yourself. Got you. How did you create that surrounding for yourself? Like, how did you, did it come to be? Uh, you choose. I mean, you choose who you want to hang out with. You choose who you want to uh, mingle with and go to dinner with and hang out at the ball game with and sit next to. I mean, I, I, con I make a conscious decision of the people who I spend my time with mm. and uh, the negative people, you know, I'll, uh, I'll be friendly to them, but you know, I'm not, I'm not seeking them out when I go to an event and sitting next to them and, and hearing how horrible their life is or how horrible the world is, you know, I'm seeking out those people who are inspiring me and, and look, have a, have a look on the, a bright side, you know, a, a glass half full type of people who are going to, when I leave that, uh, you know, interaction, I'm going to be more inspired than I was when I sat down. Mm. What about the strategies that helped you to find those right people? Do you have any tips for people? Like I know that from our listeners, there will be people who uh, are actively building a surrounding and are connected and are communicative. Yet there will be people who are alone and they potentially have either uh, just a, a surrounding of their family and past friends that are not effectively supporting what they want to achieve, but yet they don't uh, have ideas about where to find that right surrounding. Can you give some strategies and ideas? Yeah, I mean, now with the way technology is, I mean, in Google and YouTube, I mean, if, if you can't find that inspiration and, and motivation in your circle of friends, join a Facebook uh, club or page or whatever that is that you can get in there and get good ideas and get built up and, you know, watch, watch positive YouTube videos. I mean, you, you mentioned Jim Rohn. I feel like me and Jim Rohn were buddies. I've watched everything that he's, he's done. And I, you know, even though I've never known him, you know, I feel like he was one of my mentors because I loved his stuff and watched it all. And so, I mean, you, you can, you can get stuff that way, but it's, it's a matter of, you know, if, if you want that physical people around you hang out where people that you want to become hang out and how to find that out. Know, That's an interesting question because many say like, get out there, find those people, but 
how do you actually find, like, for example, if we talk about successful people, right? Uh, finding average people, like, okay, let's say average working class people, right? That have a hobby or are interested in a specific topic. That's easy, right? Because that's, that's where the fan pages, the communities, the clubs are about. That's where they hang out. But talking about people on a higher level that are uh, way, uh, let's say, in front uh, where you want to get to, how do you find that kind of communities and reach that kind of people? Well, I mean, so I think we know people like that, like that we admire and, and look up to. I almost guarantee you that if you reached out to them, even if you didn't know them and said, hey, I've, I've watched you from afar and I really admire what you're doing and, and what, you're, what you're about, at least from what I've seen, can I take you to lunch and buy you lunch and just have a conversation with you? I mean, uh, who wouldn't love to hear somebody tell them about how great they are and how people are admiring them? Uh, I mean, of course, you're going to go, they're going to go to lunch with you or at least come in for a, a meeting or a half an hour meeting or whatever. So, I mean, again, you, you've, it might not be easy if you're not in that circle already. Uh, and, and we might have to be a little realistic too, is, you know, I, I don't know that Bill Gates would, would have lunch with, with us or Warren Buffett, but, you know, maybe there's a business leader in your community or in your church or, you know, at your work or some, you know, somebody like that, that you could say, Hey, I, I admire you. I'd love to just sit down and ask you how you've done it. And, you know, any good advice for me, because, you know, I have big expectations of where I want my life to go. I guarantee you, you know, 90% of the time, those people are going to. Do you have a personal back. story of such kind yeah. of things? Yeah. I mean, I, I've done it. I've done it my whole career in commercial real estate. And you know what? I had a guy who's still in commercial real estate and has saw my book and my app and a guy that I've looked up to my whole life. And he reached out to me and said, man, I really like what you're doing. Would you go to lunch with me? And I have lunch with him tomorrow. And I mean, that's another one of my quotes is work hard enough to where your where your idols become your rivals. And, you know, I, that happening was just, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. I'll have lunch with you. But I've, I've asked lots of people who I admire to lunch and, and been able to rub shoulders with them and, and, you know, get some advice from them. So yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. That's, that's a great advice. And uh, that's what we tend to, uh, like the societal idea of those people who are making, like, let's say a social success and our own, you know, like uh, growing a big business or making loads of money, we stop perceiving them as human beings, right? And this idea that they're like gods somewhere in unreachable space and we just cannot write to them like a simple human being and ask for that soulful connection, ask for that, uh, even though, yes, they're busy, yes, they have things to do, but a soulful reach out where you genuinely appreciate and feel gratitude for everything that the person does in life and how they helped you and ask them uh, for, for lunch or take them for co to coffee, to share ideas, to exchange ideas, bounce them and to get to know them a little bit more. Uh, that's something that a lot of people who do succeed in life are really appreciative of 
and uh, they love when people approach them because they can feel that yes they have an impact yes they did something so influential that a person reached out to them and said hey you influenced my life and they they value that kind of appreciation and from time to time we can uh, get let's say lucky but we create as as you say always right be the product yep. of your choices you make yep. a choice to reach out be fearless and you'll get what you deserve well and, and i think that's a great point is we look at successful people as if they're you know uh, not human that but you know that's the one thing that i realized is you know when, when i was doing commercial real estate i'd be in these rooms and you know when i first went in i'm like oh these guys are so smart and they've got it all together and they're doing everything right and then you get to know these people and you realize they're human just like you and uh and what i started to realize is if they can do it I can do it. And I truly believe that if, if one of us can do it, all of us can do it. I mean, the only difference is the choices and the effort and, you know, uh, being willing to move forward. Like we need to realize if there's somebody out there who's successful, why not me? You know, if, if he can do it or she can do it, why not me? And, and when you start asking that question, that's when you'll start realizing that, Hey, you, you put that confidence in yourself that if they can do it, you can do it. That's the first step is believing in yourself. I mean, I, I love the, the saying is the reason that birds aren't worried about if the branch breaks that they land on is because they don't put their confidence in, in the, in the branch. branch. They put it in their own wings. And mm -hmm. that's what we need to be doing as people is not put our confidence in other things or other people or whatever, put our confidence in ourselves in our own wings to uh, make our dreams and our goals come true. Beautiful. Let's uh, wrap this up with a final thought from you. Uh, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to listeners right now for them to make the most out of their business in 2021? You know what? Do it. Do it now. I mean, if you've heard uh, some advice or you've heard a nugget that would help you uh, have a better uh, success in, in 2021, do it now. Don't wait till January 1st. Don't wait till Monday. Don't wait till next month. Do it now. There's so many dreams that get left by the wayside because people are going to get around to it sometime. And, uh, and then that sometime never comes. I mean, I think that's one of the things that has, has made one of the biggest impacts in my life is if I've determined that I'm going to do something and I feel like it's a good idea, just move forward with it and start today. Don't, don't wait. Beautiful. We had as a guest, Nelson Tressler. Thank you for being here. It was a wonderful conversation. Uh, and I believe that majority of the listeners will find their golden nugget and will start taking action today. Thanks for having me on.